Hello, you are listening to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. Several years ago, there was a toxicity study in mice involving C60 fullerenes and olive oil. The mice lived much longer than normal, but it was a small study and it has never been replicated, which left many people wondering if the life extension effect was legitimate. Finally, it looks like someone is picking up where the original researchers left off. SES Research plans to replicate the study. Find out more by listening to Chris Burris, one of the principal organizers of the effort. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Chris Burris from SES Research. Welcome. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and excited for some challenging questions that have well, come from your forums. Hopefully we can get to all of those questions. But first, for people who don't know about you, uh, could you give us a little background about yourself, how you ended up in the kind of nanotech chemistry field and, and what you do at SES? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my story as it relates to SES really started back when I was still in college. I was studying mechanical engineering and I had a good friend of mine who's now my business partner. We met in chemistry class. It's one of those interesting things. I'll never forget the professor's name because his name was Dr. Weinstein. And I feel like that's about as much of a physics professor name as you could ever come up with, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Robert and I met in physics class. And he was actually working with another friend of ours over at the Texas Center for Superconductivity. So that's a, an actual facility on the University of Houston campus, by the way, go Cougs. So he was working at Tuxa with Dr. Paul Chu. He's actually a pretty famous in the superconductivity realm. And he was separating fullerenes really back in like 1990, 1989. And one day, Dr. Paul Chu came in and said, hey, you guys are young kids. Uh, this material at the time, C60 was selling for $6,000 a gram. And yes, and that's a pretty impressive number. Uh, so the, the professor's like, you guys are young kids. You should, you know, the scientific community is going nuts over this stuff. You guys should start a company. Well, my business partner, Robert, was from an entrepreneurial background, saw kind of the $6,000 price point, understood the chemistry behind it because of the work. Work he was doing there at the Texas Center for Superconductivity and with another partner, actually not me, started like, hey, let's build the equipment in order to manufacture this stuff. They brought me in because I was studying mechanical engineering and then they needed help designing the original piece of equipment. And what's interesting about that original piece of equipment, we actually went to Rice University and had conversations with uh, Dr. Smalley's grad students about the best way to make equipment. And the evidence that we've collected is that the equipment we made way back in 1991 is the best, currently still the best equipment for manufacturing fullerenes. I do think there'll be better uh, manufacturing processes moving forward, um, more kind of bulk processes, but the equipment we made is, you know, seems to be one of the better pieces of so equipment it's a really neat entrepreneurial story you know yes. startup people from uh, university all of a sudden hey here's a product the the world needs and we're gonna do it and we literally went into my business partner's garage and built the equipment and then when it was ready to run moved it over to a warehouse actually right across the street from where i am now and had our first production run over there from an entrepreneurial perspective i always think this is neat uh, at one point we wrote a business plan and the entire business plan was based on what we would sell to the really to the texas center for superconductivity now that you know he wasn't separating the materials there and we had the materials 
separated out our company. So the entire business plan was written based on what the University of Houston would purchase. And to this day, they have yet to purchase anything. (laughs) It's just interesting how you have to pivot. Now, we have sold, I mean, literally, if you're aware of a research institution on the planet, we've probably sold fullerenes into them, again, because we've been doing this since 1991. Right. Well, the reason why you're here on the podcast today is that there was a very famous or infamous study conducted about seven or eight years ago involving rats and C60 carbon fullerenes in olive oil. And the mice lived a lot longer than normal. The study has never really been properly replicated. Now, SES is going to attempt a very similar lifespan study involving mice or rats, I should say. And what convinced SES to pursue this replication study? Well, really, it goes back to we're scientists and have been serving the scientific community since, you know, again, since 1991. So when you look at how the scientific process is supposed to work, you have a theory. And in this case, the theory was actually that buckyballs would be toxic. So that's that's the theory. And then you do a study and the result of the study was exactly the opposite of the theory regarding uh, buckyballs. The rats live 90 percent longer and it's also important to note that they died without tumors, whereas all the control rats died with tumors. And then the next step in the scientific process is you get another lab to redo it. Like this is basic standard science. So we've got a lot of people and even to kind of share some of our experience coming off of that 2012 study in 2013, about mid 2013, we started getting phone calls of people saying, hey, how much in a dose? And you know, we're carbon nanomaterial scientists. We're like, no, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it goes into batteries. It goes into solar cells. It goes into tires. It goes into ink. You don't put it in the body. And we actually added not for human consumption to all of our labeling, right? So from 1991 until 2013, we didn't have this on our labeling. In 2013, we added not for human consumption. I think it's important to note that that was despite the literature. The literature was still pretty clear. C60, if you process it improperly, it's actually harmful. And then C60, which is processed properly, we call that ESS60, uh, is actually has the result of this study. But, you know, we're still like, we're not interested in the supplement game. That's, you know, we I didn't wasn't born to be a supplement guy. And we added not for human consumption. So that's kind of our perspective. The next step in the scientific process is you got to reproduce it. And so we definitely, that's our goal. Like we want to reproduce it. It's not inexpensive, right? So this is an investment and it comes with risk. And so, but it's the right thing to do from, you know, we're scientists. That's why. I think the short answer is because we're scientists. Okay. And you mentioned that it's not going to be an exact replication of the original study. I talked with you off microphone here. Uh, In what ways will the study be different? So um, we actually did reach out to to Musa, who was one of, he wasn't leading the study, but he was one of the principal scientists in that original study. And we were actually trying to get the original study plan, right? In fact, in your forum, somebody said, well, what's the study plan? He didn't really have one. Uh, Basically, his response, he speaks French and, you know, works. So I'm communicating in English to him and uh, and he's coming back with English. But I don't know what process that has gone through. But he didn't really have a study plan. Right. So all we know is what's in the actual paper at this point. 
I actually asked for the study plan and he was like, the study plan is in the paper. Now that could be a translation issue, right? Between, you know, cause there's so many nuances of when you feed the rats and, and all of these things, but yeah. So we're going to make a couple of changes as we see uh, relative to what we see in the original paper. Okay. So yeah, in the original paper, I believe they fasted the rats overnight. Is that something you've considered uh, the feeding schedule kind of thing? So feeding is paramount to what we're talking about. In the original study, they used Worcester rats. That's our plan to use Worcester rats. Uh, they didn't dose the rats until month 10, right? So a typical Worcester rat lives 32 months. So it's about a third of the way through their life. We're still having some internal debates. We have a little bit of time to kind of really figure out, hey, do we want to start dosing earlier? What, you know, how much of an impact will that have? I think we'll probably start at 10 months and really stick to that study part of it. The other thing is, is that they stopped dosing at month 17. So it was only, and, and they actually tapered. So they dosed every day and then every other day and then once a week and then they stopped. I don't know if you know why they stopped, uh, but the reason they stopped is because it was when the first control rat died. So the first rat actually died at month 17. They were gavaging the rats, right? So that's the tube down the, the, tube the, down throat, the throat into the stomach. And so a lot of it's well known that gavaging rats can cause problems. If you hit the wrong tube, you're injecting food into their lungs, not into their stomach. The rats over. So they actually made the decision at month 17. Again, remember, this is a toxicity study. So they were like probably even at month 17 surprised these rats were still alive because sure. they gave them the human equivalent would be about a cup of olive oil right? They were giving them quite a bit of olive oil. So they were like, okay, well, we'll just stop dosing them at 17. Uh, and then again, their assumption was by month 32, and actually technically by month 32, when that last control rat died, this study's over, right? It's a toxicity study. All of the control rats are dead. There's no even reason to continue feeding these rats at all. So like I tip my hat, kudos to him. We don't even have this conversation without them saying, well, let's just, you know, maybe they'll make it one more day or one more week or one more month. And then you're like two and a half years later, um, you're down to two rats. One of them dies and they euthanize the last one. So again, kudos to them for doing that. I think one of the reasons that they gavage is because you want to have specific control of their dosing. So that's one reason. But maybe they just didn't ever investigate whether the rats would be happy consuming the olive oil. And if they're not happy consuming the olive oil, well, then you got to make them consume, consume the olive oil. We know – actually, I don't have specific experience, but we're confident that the rats will eat olive oil and we can manage the dosing through the food supply. So that's going to be one difference. Instead okay. of actually gavaging these rats and injecting a particular amount down their throat, uh, we're actually going to uh, soak the food uh, and control how much they consume through the food, if that makes sense, right? Yes. So, so that we can we can do. I hadn't thought about it. In fact, even in this conversation, I'm putting more and more pieces together. I've been thinking about doing, I know there's one interview with Musa about doing another interview with him and seeing what we can extract out of that to help our study to be even more accurate. Because I don't know if, is it mentioned in it that they uh, fasted the rats overnight? That is what uh, some foreign participants assumed, is that assumed. they were being fasted overnight. I'm not 100% sure yeah. on that, but that's what other people have read into it. So I don't know either way on that. If we can get a study plan that indicates that, I would try very hard to, to mimic that exactly. Okay. Now, we might be in a different situation 
and actually what we know about intermittent fasting now that could have been beneficial so if if we've got to feed them more around the clock in order to get the right dosing in them then that might come up right so that's something that we're just going to have to uh, as we go into this figure out on the fly if that makes sense yeah and then uh someone did have a question about the preparation of the c60 and the c60 in oil and knowing that you use sonication and you prepare the mixture without oxygen in a hypoxic yep. environment. As far as everyone knows, Moussi in France there, they did the study where it was prepared in an oxygen environment. Is there any thought on that part of it? Um, well, so first off, it's first off and probably most importantly, we've actually only ever sonicated one batch back in t- probably early 2018. Oh, okay. Right. We have not sonicated. If you've watched some of my videos, I'm so anti-sonication because of the impact it can have on the oils. Right. So in sonication, you end up with extremely high localized, very localized, but extremely high temperatures that can turn the oil rancid. And so to even sonicate, I know there's people out there. In fact, I've got a product of a competitor I gave to my director of research. He take it and you can smell it. It smells like electrodes. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. if you remember the race know, cars yeah. as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. The carbon electrodes are actually, you know, burning off. So that's what it smells like. My director of research was like, oh, they sonicated it for too long. And when I say too long, I mean, we don't sonicate anything at all. We use sonication to speed up stuff. We'll use sonication in this case. So uh, say we want to test out a different oil because one of the challenges we have with our final product is that different batches of oil or different oils from different orchards actually have different solubilities of C60, right? So if we want to say, okay, what is the solubility of this oil, the ultimate solubility, we'll run a test, we'll put it in a sonicator, and then we can figure out what its final concentration can be but again we never sell a product that has been sonicated that leads me to another question about um where the oil is coming from so, uh, one of the uh, podcast listeners was wondering for this particular study do you have a specific supply that you trust or something like that that you'll be using in the study yeah, we have a couple of suppliers, so our our products are made with the you know slightly different oils. Um, we haven't honed in on the particular one that we use for the study, but we'll probably. I mean, our our typical oil, our kind of fine grade oil from our website is is from Greece. It's from a single orchard in Greece, so it's probably going to be that one. But actually, if you, anybody on your forum wants to kind of make suggestions or has some input, we were recently exposed. Uh, I was on uh, Dr. Gundry's podcast. I don't know if you, Dr. Gundry. Uh, written a couple of books and has a pretty popular podcast. Yes. Um, he has an olive oil that's incredibly polyphenol rich. And we know that polyphenols are really good, at least for us. So we might shift that. Um, the other option that we, and, and we've actually tried to get the the original oil that was used in the original study, had some problems getting that in bulk. But even to get something from Tunisia, that original oil was from Tunisia, even to get something from Tunisia would be more closely representative. I'm not sure that that really makes a difference. It's just I think your forum is exactly right. We need to document what those differences are so we can like have some understanding if we see deltas from, you know, that study and our study. Okay. And then will the uh, rats be autopsied after death? 
that is our goal. Um, okay. We're really going to try and do almost everything. When my director of research first saw that that initial paper, his response was, wow, that could easily be five different papers, right? So they did the carbon tetrachloride part of the experiment. Then they're looking at the liver. So each, like literally it could have been broken up into five different papers. We're probably not going to go that extensive, but yeah, autopsying them at the end, I think is, is a smart decision. You mentioned that the study will be handled by outside research. Can you name the lab that will be conducting this study? Or So we've got a consultant. Actually, I can't, not because I don't want to, because I know it's based in Hungary. So we've got a consultant who's helping us kind of navigate FDA waters, which is obviously pretty important with yes. where we're at. And they use a contract lab in Hungary. So at some point, yeah, I'll, I'll release it. I just don't know that lab. Uh, I mean, when we get the study started, we'll be in direct contact with them. And, and actually, we'll plan on going to visit them and check out the facility. But we haven't done that as of yet. Okay, when will the study begin approximately? So we're thinking about mid this year is a good time frame. Again, I mentioned we're using a, a consultant that it helps us manage the navigate the FDA waters. And so there's a couple initial tests that he's requested. So we've already kind of got the invoice and paid that invoice and in getting those tests started. He's also mentioned we're going to have to do some food surveys, right? So we do need to make sure that the rats will consume the right amount of food. So there's a, there's a bit of prep work that has to be done that we're already starting, but our goal is kind of middle of this year. Depending on how long the rats live, it might be three or four years from now when it's completed and we get uh, results. Well, our hope in that original study was five plus years. So one of the differences that we'll have, our hope is the study is not done. I mean, we'll have interesting stuff pretty sure. quickly, right? But our hope is that it's not a five-year study, that it's a 10-year study, right? <laughs> well, that would be that, pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be just, you know, it, it's already amazing enough, but if we could extend it out to there, that, that'd be just, you know, just phenomenal. One of the things that we're planning on doing, you know, those rats stopped getting dosed at month 17. Since we're going to be feeding them and not gavaging them, it's not our goal to stop feeding them. Like we're going to continue to feed, to dose them, if you will, throughout the duration of their life. So who knows what effect that has on their longevity? We'll, you know, we'll find out. Okay. And then uh, many companies, of course, are often accused of bias when they're paying for a study involving a product that they produce and that somehow they influence the result or put their thumb on the scales. <laughs> How is SES going to handle uh, this concern? Well, I think that comes from I'm going to be happy to release raw data and then the data, you know, the data as published. Our goal is obviously going to be to publish this, to get it in a peer reviewed published paper. But it, that comes about releasing data as it makes sense for us to do so. I'll be honest. This is the first time we've been even in this environment. Right. So we have to have conversations with attorneys about, OK, we're running this study like do we incur any liability because let's say the rats, you know, at month 40, all the control rats are dead and our rats are still alive. You know, what is there any additional liability because we're talking about that and what what the implications of that are? Do they kind of come back on us? Right. That's actually true kind of relative to the existing paper. But there's a lot of waters that I'm having to navigate now that a carbon nanomaterial scientist has never had to navigate. But you've talked to legal consultants and you've got a consultant helping you set up the lab. And that would probably, you would say, help navigate this concern of bias. Yep. And I think 
We have so much information right now. We are certainly in information overload. At the end of the day, you've got to break it down to what makes sense to you, right? You, the consumer of the information, coupled with other pieces of information. So I think it's just about getting the information to you and your forum so that they can make uh, as informed decision as possible. Because we could come out with a result that's better or worse than that initial study, and then we can start breaking down, well, okay, well, maybe it's because, you know, we didn't gather like maybe it got absorbed in the food and there were some challenges that like the next step, whatever result we get, the next step is to kind of figure out what the delta, if there is a delta, what that delta is and what might have caused that delta. And then that leads into the next study, which is, you know, sure. a long study and expensive and all of those good things. Are there any other recent human or animal studies about C60 in oil that you're aware of? So I'm not. My director of research is constantly reading different papers. Most of those papers, actually a lot of the papers that are coming out right now are like uh, computer models and the computer models don't seem to show what every other model does or even the experience of, of people on your forum, right? I haven't been through all of your forum, but is anybody really taking C60 or ESS60 in oil and reporting ill effects? I haven't seen too much, no. I am not uh, fully aware of everyone's experience. Anecdotally, <laughs> you know, a lot of times people will report anytime some new supplement comes out, there's always possibility of placebo effects and people yes. report, oh, this happened or that happened. So, I mean, obviously I am unaware of any controlled human or other animal studies that have been done. A couple of groups around the world have tried to replicate the original study, but it kind of failed. It was very difficult for them to, you know, get through to the end of the experiment. Of course, it's expensive, uh, like yeah. you mentioned. Um, so yeah, what, that's why so many people are interested in your effort, of course. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting about a five-plus-year study, and I, I mentioned this when we were chatting on the phone, is that there's no method for you to actually pay as you go because you end up with morally what do you do with these test subjects if the paying party runs out of money, right? We, kn we know running out of money is possible for any entity. And so they really want this five-year study to be paid for up front. And so that's one of the things that that's, I think, a challenge for some. So sure. it's important to keep that in mind. I also want to share I mean, we've been serving the scientific community since 1991. We do have a supplement on the market, and it's certainly early stage. Do your research before you're going to consume this product. I can tell you, I consume it. My wife consume it, consumes it, everybody on my team, and clearly a lot of people on your forum do. But those people who are currently kind of in this carbon 60, and we like to call it ESS 60 uh, supplement market, those people, those new people have never had to sell to an audience that can actually confirm what they do, right? From 1991, really until the 20, beginning of 2018, everyone we sold, SES Research sold product into, not only did they have the manpower and the equipment, but they also had the knowledge to confirm what we were selling them, right? So our, our whole pedigree is uh, you gotta deliver a high quality product because they're going to catch you, right? Like 
It's the right thing to do fundamentally, and that's what we believe. But we also just can't get away with anything. There's people who are, you know, selling a C60, a quote unquote C60 based product that doesn't have any C60 in it. The only reason that's possible is because he's never sold into research institutions. So he's never had somebody come behind and say, oh, thank you for this product. Let me run an HPLC analysis and yeah. figure out if it's sure. actually what you're telling well, yeah, me it is. That's true. Many uh, times when new supplements hit the market, it, it can kind of be the wild, wild west. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast. And we Thank really you, look forward to the initiation of this study. If you if you can let us know, maybe halfway through the year, if it's on schedule, you know that would be great. And we wish you a lot of success in completing this study. Yes, and hopefully that's ten years down the road. Thank you, Justin, and, and uh, Longevity for uh, all you guys are doing. One thing I took away from the interview is how complicated it is to set up and complete a robust study, even in mice. From providing all of the money up front to following all of the legal and ethical guidelines, it is quite the undertaking. Here's hoping that SES can follow through to the end and we gather more quality data about C60 in olive oil. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.